Wild West Podcast proudly presents Treaties, Chapter 4 of Trails, Forts, Treaties, and Indian Wars. During the spring and summer of 1864, Colorado settlers and Cheyennes waged bloody warfare. Enmity between the Coloradoans and the Indians was climaxed on November 29th when Colonel J.M. Shivington surprised and attacked the camp of Chief Black Kettle on Sand Creek, 40 miles from Fort Lyon. Black Kettle considered himself at peace and under military protection at this time. Therefore, Indian resistance was ineffective. The slaughter was terrible. Tribes fixed part of the blame for the Indian troubles on the fire and sword policy of the military. Humanitarians in the East immediately went to the defense of the poor Indian, clamoring for a civilized solution to the Indian problem. In response, Congress created a peace commission to remove the causes of the Indian wars and to devise a plan by which the Indians could be converted from their nomadic way of life and settled on reservations. For the Southern Plains tribes, the Comanche, the Kiowa, the Southern Cheyenne, and the Arapaho, there were three major peace agreements. These agreements attempted to keep Indians off the immigration and rail routes, along with the cattle grazing land in Texas and Kansas settlement areas. The first of these, the Little Arkansas Treaty, 1865. The second, better-known agreement was signed at Medicine Lodge, Kansas, 1867. And the third became known as the Grant Peace Policy, 1869. All of the agreements and plans failed for a variety of reasons. To end the war that was raging throughout the summer of 1865, United States Peace Commissioners in October prevailed upon the Cheyenne, Arapaho, Kiowa, and part of the Comanche to sign the Treaty of Little Arkansas. According to the Little Arkansas Treaty, the Cheyenne and Arapaho would relinquish their lands in Colorado and Kansas. The Indians were to agree to confine themselves to areas south of the Arkansas River in Kansas and further south into the Indian Territory. The Comanche and Kiowa relinquished their claims to Texas. This territory included a region east and south of a line connecting the southeast corner of New Mexico and the junction of the north and south forks of the Red River. These agreements were made under the promise of annuity payments to the tribes. However, this treaty was worthless because many of the most warlike bands of Indians were not present, and because the commissioner did not have the authority to give away any lands that belonged to the states of Kansas and Texas. Beginning shortly after the Civil War, westward expansion created friction between settlers and Central Plains tribes. There were numerous reports of Indian attacks on white settlers, the Hancock expedition in the spring of 1867 was meant to silence the attacks by holding counsel with the tribes. The tribes agreed to meet, but backed out and ran from the military expedition, leaving everything behind. Hancock's men burned the village and pursued the Indians, but never reached them. Senator John Henderson of Missouri led the Medicine Lodge Council. At the time, he was chair for the Senate Committee of Indian Affairs. In middle of October 1867, Henderson began negotiating the terms of a potential treaty with members of the different tribal nations. 
The proposal put forward by Henderson was for the tribes to transition from nomadism to a sedentary life of farming. The treaty offered a 2.9 million acre tract to the Comanches and Kiowas and a 4.3 million acre tract for Cheyenne Arapaho Reservation. Both of these settlements would include the implements for farming and building houses and schools. The land would be guaranteed as native territory. The tribes were also permitted to continue hunting buffalo populations for as long as they existed, which wasn't destined to be long, as activities that led to their near-complete extermination were already underway. Many of the tribes resisted the proposal, but signed the treaty on October 21st, and then on October 28th. They took the gifts the American negotiators brought with them, beads, buttons, iron pans, knives, bolts of cloth, clothes and pistols and ammunition, and departed for their territories. At the Medicine Lodge Council of 1867, the Kiowa chief Satanta, known as White Bear, spoke against the treaty by saying, I have heard that you intend to settle us on a reservation near the mountains. When we settle down, we grow pale and die. A long time ago, this land belonged to our fathers. But when I go up to the river, I see camps of soldiers on its banks. These soldiers cut down my timber. They kill my buffalo. And when I see that, my heart feels like bursting. I feel sorry. I have spoken. White Bear's words fell on deaf ears. The lands of the Kiowas and dozens of other tribes passed into federal hands between 1840 and 1870, under pressures both fair and foul. From 1853 to 1857, the peak period of acquisition included 174 million acres. Unfortunately, the Medicine Lodge Treaty did not bring peace to the Southern Plains. The treaty intended to convert the Cheyenne and other nomadic tribes into sedentary farmers, However, these proud people were unwilling to give up their land or way of life without a fight. Many Cheyenne leaders refused to sign the treaty and continued to roam within their traditional lands between the Platte and Arkansas River. Even those leaders who recognized the futility of resisting the U.S. government lacked the authority to compel their people to submit. The following summer, the government's failings to deliver on stipulations of the treaty, specifically the delivery of arms and ammunition to be used for hunting, and foodstuffs for subsistence, caused the Cheyenne to revolt. What followed came to be known as the Southern Plains War. Black Kettle and other peace advocates moved their bands to the south of the Arkansas River. However, many of their young men were strongly opposed to reservation life and frequently joined their brethren to the north to raid the white settlements in Kansas. The raids complicated relationships between the cultures and made it difficult to distinguish between the Cheyenne bands that wanted peace and those who sanctioned the raids. By the time the issue was sorted out, it was too late. Sensing another betrayal by the government, several small bands of Indians set out on a string of depredations. A vast majority of the Indians of the Southern Plains had nothing to do with the current issue, but the Army's reaction was swift and straightforward. All Southern Plains tribes were now to suffer war without quarter. As Lieutenant General Sherman put it, if it results in the utter annihilation of these Indians, it is but the result of what they have been warned again and again. I will say nothing and do nothing to restrain our troops from doing what they deem proper on the spot, and will allow no mere vague general charges of cruelty and inhumanity to tie their hands. These Indians, 
the enemies of our race and our civilization shall not again be able to begin to carry out their barbarous warfare on any kind of pretext they may choose to allege. These Indians will seek some sort of peace, to be broken next year at their option, but we will not accept their peace, or cease our efforts, till all past acts are both punished and avenged. In August and October, warriors from bands north and south of the Arkansas River repeatedly raided into central and western Kansas. They hit isolated farms and ranches, stage stations, and travelers on the emigrant trails. The marauders stole hundreds of cattle and mules and killed 79 settlers. Trails, Forts, Treaties, and Indian Wars offers quintessential depictions of the early Kansas trails from historical accounts and individual experiences. The author describes what it was like to travel along the Santa Fe Trail as a bullwhacker, Indian fighter, and freighter. The book is complete with 10 chapters providing accounts of the early Cheyenne Indian culture and Kansas westward expansion from the earliest conflicts to establishing military forts along the trails. This book features legendary figures from both sides, including Roman Nose and Jack Stilwell at the Battle of Beecher Island, and Private Peck, and First Lieutenant J.E.B. Stewart in the Solomon's Fork Battle. The essays and short stories are formatted in chronological history, originating in 1857 and ending in 1868, covering the inception of the Central Plains Indian Wars during the Kansas expansion. Michael King relies on primary Kansas Historical Society reference documents to reveal the Indian depredation claims, giving the reader a more extensive understanding of the horrors of Indian incursions, especially when experienced by new settlers to the region. Trails, Forts, Treaties, and Indian Wars is based on true accounts in early Kansas history. The book is narrated by Brad Smalley, and you can play the audio version of the book by scanning the QR code below each chapter. Trails, Forts, Treaties, and Indian Wars is now on sale at Amazon.com. <laughs>